showing, and I want to say this like as kindly as I can, when we don't believe that God can speak to us, then we're saying, I have a belief problem. I don't believe that God can do what he says he can do. I don't believe that God that, that I can do what God says I can do, which is to hear him, okay? And you don't, have, don't put pressure on yourself to hear him in that moment, but take all the pressure off yourself that you can't hear him. All right? Because I'm going to ask that. Because Stevie just asked us to do that same thing. Stevie said, take a moment and ask God, who are you to me? Now, part of my transformation in my life is I would never even ask those questions because they were never answered, right? So I had a whole experience proving that God does not speak personally to me. I was saved. I was in ministry. I'm celebrating 30 years of ministry this next year in, in uh, 2021. And I got baptized in 1969, First Baptist Church in Van Nuys, uh, California. So I've been around a long time. And for most of that time, I believe God couldn't speak to me. But then when you're in Scripture, the Scripture begins to contradict my experience, right? God says I can hear him. God says he is talking to me. But my experience says, God, you're wrong. But we don't like to say, God, you're wrong. So what we do is we just bind to what the enemy says is there's just something wrong with me. All right? But the conflict and the tension comes is if the scripture says that I can do it, then I need to start believing I can do it. All right? So that's the beginning. That's always the beginning. So Stevie said, who are you to me? So I just asked that. He, he, maybe three minutes. Who are you to me? And God said, um, I'm his dance partner. He's my dance partner. That's ridiculous. I don't dance. I mean, when I dance, I don't move my feet and make my wife really irritated because this is how I dance. I think it's awesome. Nobody else does. But this, I, and I dance the same way to every song. All right? So, who are you to me? And then Stevie said, and that just came to him, so I wrote it down. Then Stevie said, what does that look like to you? In the, coming now, if that's true, if that's who he is to me, and I wrote down, I just quickly wrote down, let him lead me into uncomfortable positions. Now, you may love to dance. So you, you saying, God saying that he's your dance partner, that's exciting. For me, that means I'm going to be close to God, closer, intimate, him leading me, his arm on my back, him dipping me, he's swinging me, right? Throwing me up in there like in dirty dancing. And I mean, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to trust him. To, so like, like for me... That's, that's him speaking personally to me. Let him lead me into uncomfortable positions. Let myself go and let loose and forget that anybody's watching me. All right? So that, that's really how simple when we take some time, three minutes, say, God, what do, you, what do you think about this? Most of us generate our own answers. Should I be afraid? Yes, I should because look at the news. Is the world really bad? Yes, it is because of this. We don't even ask God. So we've got to ask God for ourselves intentionally. So 281-772-1785. At the end here, we're going to have, uh, I want you to text me what you hear the Lord saying. It can be right then, and it can be later on this week, okay? So we're in a series that we kind of kind of started, end it, end it, you know, uh, some of the, I talked on the apocalypse uh, a few weeks ago, which didn't get recorded it was kind of my take on that actual word of in Revelation, what that means and everything. And, uh, but we're in a series called um, Always the Third Option. Always the Third Option. So we talk a lot in liberal media, conservative media, but most of us 
line up our, our Christian beliefs with liberal or conservative, and this is why I'm this, but there's always a third option that actually blows these two options out of the way. But we're listening so much, we're filtered so much for liberal or conservative, for Democrat or Republican, for black or white, for rich or poor. We're, all, we're always thinking in these things. We're always thinking one versus the other. But there's always a third option. We have a great example in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we think, most of us think there's three trees in the Garden of Eden. We think there's a, a tree of knowledge, uh, I mean a tree of good, a tree of evil, and a tree of life. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is one tree. The fruit that it produces is good and evil. Us choosing for ourselves what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. But what happens is, choosing good and evil, we don't find life. We're meant to eat and draw from the tree of life. When we do that, what we do is then we discern properly in the time for who I am in this season today, June 7th, what is good and evil. So over here, I'm choosing, oh, that, that fruit looks good. I'll eat this fruit that looks good, and I think it will bring me life. But it never does. So then we get stricter and stricter in our religion of I need to eat and do more good. But then the produce or the, the result of that is always death because it's always drawing up nutrients from the same root and the same tree, right? Or we say, I'm tired of doing good because it's not producing life in me. So I'm just, screw everything. I'm going to go over here and eat evil. And we jump out of church. We get over here and it's just as dissatisfying. So we're like, I'm going to choose the good of religion and I'm going to choose the good of rebellion or the evil of rebellion. Or I'm going to disregard the evil of religion and choose the good of rebellion. Or I'm going to be in the world, blah, 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 blah. And we always have this confusion. We're up and down and left and right. And we're, we're super conflicted because we're eating from the wrong source. We come over here. The third option is always life. Okay. It says it really is simple in Deuteronomy and several times throughout Scripture. Choose today who you'll serve. Choose good or evil. But it's who you'll serve. All right? If you want to live a good life, don't learn to choose between good and evil. Learn to choose life. There's always a third option, okay? Always a third option. Now, what we're talking about is some kingdom values. And the kingdom value we're going to talk about today is your salvation creates a joyful identity you being saved changes who you are you being saved changes who you are how you operate in the world you being saved isn't just you now have a list of rules of what is good and evil you being saved means that you can start your abundant life right now. You being saved, metamorphosed, transformed, changes everything about you. This culture is something we need to live from. Most of us live from a church culture, a religion culture, a shame-based culture. You did this, so you're out of the club. You did this, God's mad at you, God's sad, God's crying, God's angry, God doesn't, isn't your, coming your way anymore until you outweigh the evil you did with some good. That, most of us are in that, in that culture. We draw from that. We're raised that way. You're a good, you're, you're, you're a good kid. Until you do something wrong, then you're a bad kid. All right? You're a good wife or a good husband until you're no longer anymore. 
And there, there's all this balancing back and forth. And so we're taught, I have to be good to get good. Over here, we're living from a culture of, I'm saved, and that means I have a joyful identity. I have, even in my coming from a bad background, there's something joyful about what God's doing in me. All right? And we um, all live from a family culture right now. Have you ever gone to a family gathering? You're like, this is super weird, man. How, they're so nice to each other. That's how I was when I went to other people's family gatherings. They're so nice and polite. That wasn't my family gathering. All right? Or you go, man, this, this gathering is super boring because they are so nice to each other. So, and it's because it's your family gathering. Somebody else will go to a family gathering and go, man, they argue all the time. There's so much conflict here. But that family just is drawing from their culture and they don't see it as conflict. They don't see it as confrontation. They still love each other as much as this group over here. But then we judge each family culture as good or bad. But we each pull from family culture. What we don't do is often we don't then give up our family culture for kingdom culture, okay? For kingdom values. Right? And when we get married, we struggle with our different culture classes, right? We come together and we often marry and we, 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 we have culture classes of what we value and how we think and how we deal with conflict, how we live and how we spend money, all right? And all, all different issues. But most of us don't, we, we can come from uh, um, a culture of wealth or a culture of poverty, but then when we get saved, we're supposed to actually replace. Both of those cultures, either of those cultures with a kingdom culture of generosity. So we can come from black or white or Hispanic or Asian or whatever. We come from those cultures that have deep ingrained values. But what the kingdom does, the kingdom wrecks those values or takes the very best out of them. And we want to live from those values. That's what the third option is. It's not here's another rule. It's a whole nother pool from which to draw from and to drink from. It's the pool of living water. It's the river of life. It's the well that never runs dry. Okay? That's what we want to learn to pull from. We want to drink from the well of life. We want to eat from the tree of life. We don't want to keep eating over here and then being starved all the time or being super fat or eating from the tree of good and evil and being exhausted and needing to take a nap. All right? Over here is where we want to be. So, and values make up our culture and kingdom values will help you manifest the kingdom of God in your life. I want you to hear that. A culture of the kingdom, values create your culture. Values are deeply ingrained, create your culture. I could, I could talk to you for an hour and we could list out five to ten family cultures that you still pull from that you're unaware of. That are good for your life and some that are bad for your life. Some that are creating conflict in your marriages and your parenting and in your jobs right now. Okay? But what we want to do, we want to become aware of the values we live from. And we want to become aware of the contradictory ones of the kingdom and live from those places. All right? So, values make up culture. Kingdom values will help you produce the kingdom within you. And then through you. Because that's what we want to do in the journey of life. We want to live such a life 
that we're at peace in any conflict, in any storm, in any poverty or any amount of wealth, in any sickness or any wellness. We want to live in such a way that we are experiencing God and then we're manifesting his kingdom through us. And we don't do that through a ton of prayer. We don't do that through good works. We don't do that through giving money. All those things can be part of our values or outcomes are values, but we do it through having deep Third option, kingdom values that we live from, okay? So, I've read these before we started worship. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to give you three scriptures. Then we'll go on from there. So, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old man has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, salvation, joyful identity, you're a new creation. Whenever you've done something stupid, whenever shame tries to creep in, why don't you just start with looking in the mirror and go, Behold! I am new. I'm a new creation. Wouldn't it be a great way to just stop those voices? Just behold! It's like, woohoo! Look who's coming! You know, we've been here a couple times and they'll have the, um, the rodeo riders stop right out here at, at where, where Joe's house is over here. And it's like, Stop! And everybody rushes over there. We had that. We had a bike ride for um, come here through one Sunday, and we all just stopped and walked and, and cheered on all the vets driving through, all the, the wounded vets that were driving through. To stop and behold, and it, it, what it is it changes your mind. It's like wait, wait. I was thinking with this culture, but behold, I'm a new creation. That's a new value. And the second one, Romans six four. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So salvation creates a joyful identity. We're a new creation. We have a new life. And I want to make it really clear. We started that life the moment we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We do not start that life when we die and we go to heaven. If we did, then our life is the life that needs to be sacrificed in order for us to gain abundant life. It's his life that was sacrificed for me to gain abundant life. And we walk in that. So Romans, I'm sorry, John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We have a new family. It does not matter what your family history looks like. It does not matter what your family has done. It does not matter what your mom and dad has done. It doesn't matter if you don't know your parents. It doesn't matter if you're disconnected from everybody in your family. You have a new family. It's not just family here. It's family, all the family that's gone on before you, all the spiritual family that are now sons and daughters. You have a right to become a child of God. Whenever the enemy begins to torment you about your past, wait, wait, that's not me. That's been erased from my ancestry line. That's not even in my DNA anymore. All right? Because we talk a lot about generational curses or generation things that are passed on. We're learning a lot more in DNA on how that on how on how actual personality traits are passed on from generation to generation. All right? Certain ways of thinking, certain if, if you're prone to be empathetic or if you're prone to be passive and not aggressive. That's actually passed down to you a lot. That you have that personality makeup. If you're if you're if you're unempathetic, non-sympathetic, or aggressive as a person, that's passed down. And you then, but you, you but then we come into a different culture, a kingdom culture. And we make new choices based on that. 
And we want to pull from this belief, I have a great identity in Christ. I am joyful about who God is transforming me into being. I'm excited. It doesn't matter what I just stepped in. It doesn't matter what I just did. I'm still excited that I'm moving into my true identity in Christ. Now, why is this good news for us? This is good news for us because this value shifts us from looking at what I've done in the world to what Jesus did for me. It it turns me from looking at what family I come from, what pain I've suffered, and it turns me to what God is calling me and how God is speaking to me. We're simply, we're not trying, again, we're not trying, I'm trying to live out of how all my mistakes, I'm trying to like make up for all of them, but it's a heavy weight and it's so hard. What we're simply trying to do is, I'm a new person. How do I live from being a new person? All right? Have you ever taken another job where you're doing something? It's not like you took a job and then you got a promotion in the same job and you know 80 or 90%. But you take another job that's like parallel over here. It's like night and day and you feel like you're faking this job. Anybody ever been there? You feel like, I, I, I don't, I, wait, what did I do? I took this because there's some advantage to it and, and I think there's some more promotion or something. But, I, but wow, now I'm like in here. But what happens over time, you begin to fit. That becomes your new normal. We're looking at new normals in this area. We're looking at like, I was once this, but now I'm this. Even if I'm not attaining this yet, I still declare I am this. All right? Now, if we don't have this value of joyful identity, we spend all of our time over here fighting our dead self. Paul calls it the dead man, right? Or the dead flesh. How many of you are fighting the zombies of your dead man? Instead of over here celebrating with the new creation that you are. And that this is really a lot of our conversation is centered around here. I'm a new creation, but I'm going to step back into the grave where my old dead man is and talk to him. Instead of talking to the Father and walking in this identity, we jump back into the grave. We're more comfortable being in the grave than we are going in towards kingdom things. And that is a sign of a lack of belief in what your salvation, his salvation means to you and has done for you. His salvation has changed things for you drastically. When you live under a joyful, a joyful identity... Because of your salvation, you will not accept shame or condemnation. You'll accept conviction. You'll say, oh, oh, I blew it. But you won't go, oh, I blew it. I'm a loser. I'm horrible. Hey, dead man, how are you? Yeah, I did it again. You're like, oh, I blew it. But that's not who I am. Tomorrow's a new day. There's something else going on. Now I know not to do it that way. You won't walk in any shame. You won't walk in any condemnation. All right. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. No shame, no condemnation. Another thing that we'll do differently is we will start to expect something different in our lives. When we begin to build a strong tower, a stronghold of joyful identity because of Jesus' salvation within us, we will start expecting God's goodness, God's presence, God's abundance, 
God's blessing in our life. And when you hear abundance and blessing and goodness and favor, if all you hear is finances, then you're hearing what the filter. It can include finances, but it's not always finances. But it's always abundance, blessing, favor. There's something more. Because what we're saying is, I was, I was dead in sin. I become alive in Christ. I was in the grave. I was dead. I become a new creation alive in Christ. But there's nothing different in my life when I'm alive in Christ. I don't expect healing. I don't expect good relationships. I don't expect to have times of peace. I expect depression to be the same. I expect my torment to be the same. I expect my poverty mentality to be the same. I expect my friends to be the same. I expect for me to be the exact same person. How horrible is that? What if somebody made you a promise? I'm going to give you another job. You're going to work 10 times less. I'm going to pay 10 times more. All right? And you come and join me. And I promise this is going to happen to you. But it's all the same as you just had. That'd be awful. But that's what we say Jesus wants for us. I was, I was dead to my sin. He loved me while I was yet a sinner. He loved me before I even knew him. I know him. I get invited to the family. But then I talk like I'm still dead in the grave, a beggar on the street. And I think like that person I used to be. That's a sign of a belief problem. When we have this value of joyful identity because of the salvation of Jesus, we, our expectations start to rise up. All right? And for each one of you... In this room, and each one listening, that rising up means something different to you. It doesn't mean the same thing what it means to me. All right? Some of you, it means, it means having, you know, being married for 10 years. Chris and I have been married for 30, we, I think we thought, decided on 34. <laughs> um, we were kind of confused a couple weeks ago. Like 34 years, we're not looking for 10 years a successful marriage. We're not looking to be the, we're looking for 50 now or 60 now. So there's a different abundance of an expectation. Matt, when I say we're looking for 50 years, you go, oh my gosh, that's a long time. Really? Kidding. So another thing is, is that the beauty of this is we are not defined by our past mistakes and our past sins. Not from 30 years ago, not from 10 years ago, not from 10 months ago, not from 10 days ago, not from 10 hours ago, not from 10 minutes ago. We're not identified by that. The only person that has a right to identify you is the one who gave you eternal life, right? It's the only one. I say a person, but God has, God's the only one who has a right to identify you. Because he took you from prison and he gave you a life. He took you out of here and he gave you this. He's our father. And, and, and even though he's our father, we're still, his, we're still his servants in a way. He has the right to identify us. Your parents don't have a right to identify you. If you're allowing the voice of your parents or the neglect from your parents or the rejection of your parents or the lack of your siblings or the lack of, 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 your, of your parents... To identify you, then you're saying, I believe in the power of my parents more than I believe in the power of my Savior. All right? So we get those things a little bit twisted up. Kingdom value changes. I'm sorry. The, the, the kingdom value of identity changes us. We start to expect. 
better relationships. How many of you are expecting better relationships coming at, by the end of this year? Better relationships, better finances. And it might not be like you win, a, you know, I had somebody in my life just win $100,000. I mean, they just won $100,000 and uh, they're living on couches, but they won $100,000. That's going to be a blessing to them. But that usually doesn't come that way, does it? All right? So we have an expectation of blessing, of better relationships, of better health, of different stages of our life being growing. We pray from a position, not of, oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a dead person. I wish I could just get, get kind of out of this grave. We pray from a position of a, being a son and a daughter, a position of being a favored person in, God, in God's heart. We pray from a position of freed royalty, not enslaved people. We begin to change and see and filter what people say about us. All right? So if I have a strong kingdom identity, a joyful identity, some of you say, you're a jerk and I hate you. And they can list out their reasons. I go, I don't accept it. That's not me. You don't get to tell me who I am. I can't believe you believe that stuff. You're wrong in how you said that, and, and you shouldn't be doing that. And I can, if I, if I have that confidence from my joyful identity, I can say, good for you for thinking that. I listen to him who identifies me. My filter is for him, not for you. One of the problems we're having on Facebook, and it's an increasing problem, is if we get more and more of all of our information and all, a lot of our relationship from Facebook is we're filtering for what people say on Facebook. We need to filter what he's saying and filter out everything else. Somebody wants to give you shame, and you say, wait, 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 wait a minute. You don't have any right to shame me. I won't take any of your condemnation. Now, if, you, if, if you're in a relationship with them, there's something God wants to use them to convict you in, which is a sharp, oh, I did this wrong. But shame and condemnation is saying you are wrong as a person. You're wrong because of this one thing. Everything's bad about you. And we need to just go, nope, I see and filter all identity, identity statements from heaven, not from you. You don't get to define me. My culture doesn't get to define me. Being a middle-aged white guy doesn't get to define me. It's not my identity. There's something way deeper and way more powerful and way more beautiful in your identity than the color of your skin, than your personality, than your sins, than your mistakes, than your successes, and then your failures. We've got to remember that as Christians, we pull from this third, this third area. This third option is always there. And that joyful identity is based on that. And you can have that joyful identity. Now, as amazing as joyful identity is, here's, here's, I'm going to talk about two or three things we get wrong. We think, I'm just made this way, so whatever. I don't have to change at all. That's not right. Okay? I don't want you to hear that. Oh, this is just who I am. This is just how God made me, so, so you don't have any input. Are you, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. We're made perfect in Christ when it comes to our spirit, but our language isn't always perfect. We're perfect in Christ when it comes to my spirit, but my emotions get out of control and they're not perfect. So although he sees me as perfect because he's relating to me spirit to spirit, I still have a mind and emotions and a flesh, my hands and feet and my mouth, that actually have to get under control of his spirit with my spirit, okay? So 
while we're heaven's royalty also, we don't rule over anybody except for ourselves. And we only rule over ourselves when we're under his rule appropriately. That's what makes us royalty is that connection to that identity. So when, when, when we talk about sons and daughters, we talk about royalty and that's our identity. We need to rightly serve other people and we need to rightly serve in kingdom ways. Now, because that's the second. So also, while we're not bound by the sins of our past, we can often be held accountable by people because of the sins of our past, right? So you, 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 you do a criminal act, and then you, you ask for forgiveness, you know, before the Lord. It doesn't mean that that criminal act doesn't follow you, and you pay a price for that. Now, it might mean that the Lord releases you from that supernaturally, but if you're mean-spirited to people and you're ugly to people and you've been bad to people 10 years ago, 10 weeks ago, 10 days ago, 10 minutes ago, you might ask for forgiveness and God forgives you and God forgets it, but those people don't have to forget that. They can still hold you accountable to pay for damage you've done, all right? So I want, I want us to get some of those, those straight. So what is God saying to you about your identity? What is God saying to you about joyful identity? Do you have a joyful identity? Are you super glad you're five foot whatever, 100 or 200 something pounds, that your hair is the color that it is, that your skin is the color of it as it is? Are you super happy with the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you, that God has given you? Are you, are you content in being a good steward? Of your talent and your time and your energy, the time and that you have left on this earth, are you, are you joyful about that? If you're joyful about that, you're you're actually using it for kingdom purposes. You're worshiping, you're praying, you're giving testimony, you're seeking to manifest change in the world around you. Steve, if you can turn on a little bit of worship music back there, because I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a couple questions, and this is what this is where I want you to text me sometime today. All right? It's going to take a few minutes. All you're doing is risking some discomfort in your own emotion, in your own mind. Nobody's going to know if you hear something silly like you're his dance partner. All right? Nobody's going to know if you don't hear anything. But I guarantee you, going with no shame, going with an expectation that you will hear, that you are hearing, that if there's any image or song um, I have a great story from Jumanji 2 that the Lord spoke to me before Jumanji came out. And then I saw it manifested in Jumanji 2. And, uh, and that had to do with dancing also, by the way. I forgot about that, that one of my mad skills was dance fighting. I was like, that's ridiculous. And I see it in the movie and I start laughing in the movie because of what the Lord's showing me. So the thing is, we hear, you know. And so if you, if, you, if you hear a scripture, if you hear one word, if you see an image, think, that's it. I'm going to receive that as what the Lord's telling me. And then dig into further there. Just let it, let it come to you, all right? So we're going to turn on some music, bow your heads, and close your eyes, and be, be just in a, a good place of not being distracted. Take in a couple of nice, nice, calm breaths through your nose and out your mouth. Just, just, just remember when you're breathing in and breathing out, just hear, hear that, hear it and feel it and know that you're alive. So you're able to take in and give out.
Now just imagine yourself comfortable. You're sitting right next to God, or you're in God's lap, or he's got his arm around you. And then right now, just if you're comfortable there, if you're safe there, and have a picture of where you're at with Father God, just ask and say, Father, what do you think about me? What do you feel about me? Father, how would you describe me? God, what's your joyful identity for me today? And just as your mind wanders and you feel bad about it, just bring it back. Maybe, maybe breathe a couple times in from your mouth, out through your, in through your nose, out through your mouth, and just let it be there. Breathe in, breathe out. If you're getting distracted, just breathe in and say, God, just breathe in your the filter of the Holy Spirit, and I just breathe out my my disbelief right now. I, I breathe out my fear. I breathe out my doubt. right at a minute so just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just ask the say Holy Spirit I think that I can hear you that I'm hearing you you're speaking to me if you have a phrase or a, a word or an image or a song lyric just begin to ask Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what is what do you want me to know about that phrase that you gave me it's, it's kind of like he'll expand it for you here. All right, that's it. Two minutes. We're going to go another minute. So just keep... Keep steady. Bring your bring your focus back into hearing God. That place of confidence. That place of joyful identity. There might be another question you ask him. You ask him, "What? How do you identify me? Do you have a name for me? What's your joyful identity for me in this season? And then what does that mean? And expand it. There might be another question you want to ask him." really do just ask him don't just think it in your head form a sentence thank you holy spirit for being here for speaking to each person
Father God, we just thank you for speaking to us. We say that we're going to take these words and we're going to we're going to shift this week based on the words that we heard. And and if it wasn't clear enough, we're going to get clarity today. We're going to take set aside some time for clarity. And and if we didn't hear something, we're going to get somebody to help us hear. Um, we're not going to wait another week. We're not going to wait a month. We're not going to let it make us weird or play in our minds. We're just going to say, right, I don't think I heard anything. I'm going to get somebody to share their gift with me and help me hear. We just thank you for that, Father God, that we're going to shift based on what you tell us, what you tell us about us. And Father God, we want to walk in joyful identity. We want to walk in just a joyful identity of who we are as your children. And let that manifest change in how we speak and how we see and how we hear. We thank you for that. All right. Amen.